I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of The Hilo. Episode 11, specifically. The weekly news and pop culture show that covers everything from the highbrow to the lowbrow, the trivial to the political. The Hilo is hosted by me, Dolly Alderton. And moi, Pandora Sykes. So, we've hit 200,000 downloads. Downloads? Downloads. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle Pun today. intended. Um, thank you very much, everyone. What's been going on this week, Pandora? Give me your Hilo. I've been watching The Good Fight, which for any massive Good Wife fans is the spin-off from The Good Wife. You never watched The Good Wife, did you? No. Is that the one with Mr. Big? uh, Yes, with Chris North or North, however you pronounce it. Yeah, so that ended and The Good Fight is the spin-off with Christine Baranski, who played Diane Lockhart. Haven't got into it yet. Disappointed to note... And again, everyone that loved The Good Wife will instantly know what I'm talking about. Disappointed to note that Chum Hum is still in the picture. Um, Where I, are you watching that? On Netflix. No, uh, no, on More 4. More 4. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So many different platforms. So have you finished Suits then? No. But I'm only allowed to watch Suits with Ollie. You said that literally like a junkie. <laughs> no, I know. It's going, you had to stop hit balls. Oh, it's going on forever. It's absolutely going on forever. Um, no, I can only watch that when my husband is home so when he's not around that's what I watch I also listen to this amazing episode of Woman's Hour so I often listen to them as a podcast Mm. rather than listening to it live because I often forget and I listen to the one from last Thursday with a segment on it about this programme Humans for Sale I actually can't I can't remember the names of who's done it or even when Humans for Sale is on so apologies but I'm sure you can find this all out from the podcast but there's this bit where they go and visit this um person that's just had a baby they must have had some tip off that this is happening and there's not a father's name on the birth certificate like why is there not a father's name why is there not a father's name they were like oh it's a good thing there's not a father's name right because whoever buys the mother and the baby can just put whatever father's name in that they need buys the mother and the baby yes and then I finished off some great books. I finished off Difficult Women by Roxane Gay, the short yeah, story. you loved that book. Yeah, I finished The Shore by Sarah Taylor, um, which I just tried to give Dolly and she handed back in. She's got too many books on her bedside table. By the way, we're starting on the advice of a lovely listener. Lovely listener. That's awful. That's like lovely ladies, which makes me, <laughs> makes me Lovely bomb. listener. I've got to admit, if you ever start an email to Dolly and I with lovely ladies, I will always abridge it out because I can't read. I can't read out the word ladies because it reminds me of a passive aggressive or rather just straight up a aggressive sub that used to edit my work at a magazine I used to work with and I can't and I can't do lovely ladies either but by the way lovely listeners from a lovely very listener. like radio to Tony Blackburn on the advice of a listener Dolly and I are starting a good reads page all of our favorite books will be up on there in the next few weeks I think we've listed about 
75 mm. between also, us. Also, I read your list. We do have so many crossovers. Yeah, well, I didn't put any on my list that you'd already put on yours. I know. But do you know what? There are so many on your list I haven't read. Oh, really? Half your list I haven't read. See, there were loads on yours that I read and I was like, oh, I forgot I love that book. Were there any that you hadn't read that now want to read? Yes. I can't remember them off by heart either. I can't <laughs> remember them. <laughs> I also, look, I even bought a demo for you, discovered on the advice of a beauty journalist called um, Funmi Feto, who is launching a website, and she interviewed me recently for it. God knows why, because I have nothing interesting to say. But she gave me lots of beauty advice, and I was saying, oh my God, do I need to start using anti-aging stuff because I don't use anything? Where do I start? Is it all bullshit? And she said, you should check out this line called The Ordinary. I'd read quite a lot on The Ordinary. I think Indian Knight's written about it. Sally Hughes, I think, written about it. And mm. it's basically just, like, stripped back just the science with none of the, like, inflated branding, you know. Just when you, like the yeah, ingredients. Just like the ingredients. Six quid for all these different ingredients. Oh, so cool. I bought myself some hydroluronic acid look how cool it is I thought you'd like the packaging I really hydroluronic like hydroluronic acid and you oh, put you know that what? on I've used one of these yeah I put that on morning and night just with my normal face cream and then I bought myself some retinoid six pounds for the evening oh that's cheap and I bought myself some caffeine stuff for under my eyes because literally I swear to god I turned 30 and my eyes puffed like I that look, photo that you sent of me you look like a baby turtle I look like that almost every morning if, if I've had you a bad night's sleep you were hung over you sent me that picture if I've had a bad night's sleep <laughs> or I drink I one of the other every single night then that's what my eyes look like and it reminds me of um, just put those back again it reminds me of my old Labrador Samba God rest your soul who got bitten by an adder when I was little and I remember mum took a picture of her she went to visit her in the hospital and mum took a picture of her and she was like this massive enormous dog balloon with two tiny you don't eyes look, you didn't look like a dog balloon you looked like a slightly <laughs> you looked like a like a slightly inflated baby turtle but also that's I find that I'm more puffy if I've eaten badly the day before well I think I, like Chrissy Teigen says my new best friend that you see carbs on your face the next day I don't know if I necessarily noticed that but I have noticed that my hay fever having only just developed it has been really bad in the last few days shout out to my fever bitches can you let me know if, you're, if you've got really bad hay fever is it just me what's going on is it the plane trees is it the birds, the bees, the ground, the sky? Please tell me if anyone else is suffering. I'm new to this shit. I'd like to know when I'm getting my flare-ups and why. But I'm V-puffy at the moment. V-sneezy. V-everything. <laughs> you like one of the seven dwarves. <laughs> I'm all of the seven dwarves. Um, can we also talk about fidget spinners? Oh, Not a euphemism. So I was sitting on the northern line... At Camden, a hundred German teenagers came on. That is the price that you pay for living on the Northern Line. And one of them was spinning this thing in my face. Did you want, I didn't know what it was when I first saw a fidget spinner. I didn't know, but I've now got to a point where I'm becoming so much more with every year I get older, the woman in the poem, I will wear a purple hat, you know, when I'm yes, older. Yes, when I'm older, I will wear purple. Yeah, it's just, it's just happening. I'm becoming so much less tolerant of people's bullshit and I'm really enjoying it and I was just By that, she I means found it game. so stressful I just said to him I'm so sorry would you mind not doing that it's what was there me someone feel fidget like spinning near you sick like next to me in my face and it was making me feel queasy I hate so it. So I didn't realise what they were at first and I saw two, seeing as Dolly felt the need to clarify with German, I saw two Scandinavian <laughs> children um, playing with these 
things on the train last weekend. We was on a train, aren't we? It's where we do all of our social observations. And um, <laughs> and I could see this British child gazing longingly. And she was like, why can't I have one of those? And her mother was like, we ban those in the school that I work at. And she was like, but all toys are banned. So basically, mum, your point is moot. Why can't I have some of those? But I didn't realise what they were until I got home and saw this piece that had been flagged up by one of Dolly's favourite journey journeys journalists journeys jo- I love it if you call journalists journeys so uh, Joel if you're listening which I'm sure you're not Dolly loves you I think Joel already Joel knows already that you, knows that, that I think him. he's the greatest living writer no so no. Joel Golby wrote, uh, wrote a he series, is the of, series of mad tweets flagging up um, a piece written by another journalist called Martin Daubney what did what what did it, were you what blocked did it by Martin Daubney was that you uh, no. Did you get in a fight with Martin Daubney? He retweeted a point I made and put a bias on it that I didn't enjoy and I got all of his misogynistic followers. Uh. And I said, your friends are really cool. And he was like, they're not my friends. And I was like, you can tell a lot about a man by his, uh, by his yeah. followers and maybe they are your friends. But he tweeted, Joel Golby tweeted being like, the absolute state of Martin Daubney. Because Martin <laughs> Daubney had written a piece revealing why he's banned fidget spinners from his home. And Martin Daubney had written, what's irrefutable is that fidget spinners have been destroying humanity's concentration ever since. I mean, I think this could be a room written by Dolly. Let's be absolutely clear on this. Fidget spinners do not help children concentrate. And Joel Golby's just written, it's a toy, mate. <laughs> It's just a toy. Oh, it's mate. such a depressing day that I'm sounding like Martin Daubney. It's, it could not get any worse. And I'm so hungry, Panda. Dolly's, I feel I feel like we're gonna keel over. Dolly's very hungry. She's gonna get even hungrier when one of our segments comes up in a bit. I honestly think I'm going to faint in a minute. But that's fine. I have all I have eaten is fruit and nuts. Like I'm a bloody forager. Or Elmut Fearson. That's quite an Elmut. You look quite Elmut Fearson day. Oh, your, pull your, the other one. In your, in your, loads of hair, floaty top, animal print, flares, statuesque, VL. Oh, Do you want to talk to me about Downton? I know you've been having some issues. So while I've been experiencing moderate anxiety over the last couple of months. A literary convalescing of sorts. I have been sheltering in the arms of Downton Abbey. And I'm not proud of it because it's a terrible programme. What? It's not a good programme. It's got a huge fan base. I actually have never watched it. I've watched one it's and awful. I thought it was quite good. No, it's awful. Really? I have watched... I'm surprised you're saying that. I watched seven hours of it over the weekend. Had you never watched it before? I watched bits of it um, when it was first out, but the reason I've returned you're to gonna it... You're going to get a backlash for that, and don't you dare hide behind the Hilo's Twitter to feel that... You hide behind <laughs> what, your What, that own, it's a darling. terrible programme? Yeah, you'll get shit. No, but I love it. It's a national treasure. Yeah, but the dialogue is terrible. Like you might be one day. The plot is like a bad soap. It's completely predictable. Um, but it's just providing me with this like cosy, lovely That's good then. Environment. It's doing so I just job. keep watching it. But I literally got to a point this morning where I woke up, I watched another episode last night. Because the only thing that incentivizes me as well to hit a certain amount of words per day. I'm like, I'm going to have two episodes of Downton tonight. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, this has to stop. Because I woke up thinking of Downton Abbey and I'd had a dream about Downton Abbey. And as I opened my eyes, all I could think was, that's quite enough, Mr. Bates. And I was like, this has... And I felt hungover. I felt hungover from it. Do you know what you've got? You've got binge fatigue. It is a thing. I I feel dehydrated from... 1920s England yeah it's it reminds me of when I've had one suit too many and I'm like thrashing around the bedclothes because I haven't (laughs) moved for six hours and I'm like please that is what it is stop and Ollie's like another one another one it is like a thrashing it's the autoplay yeah it's like hypnosis 
It's now time for the top line. Listeners of episode 10 last week will remember, in celebration of a seminal episode, episode 10, we introduced a new segment whereby we read 10 pieces of news that have happened over the last week in 90 seconds flat. Um, And it was a race last week. Uh, I did the first one. Dolly criticised my pace towards the end. Mine's going to be terrible. So this week, Dolly, Hannah, Alderton takes to the top line platform. The question is, will your pacing be any better? Please remember that I'm very weak from a lack of Dolly, get on with it. Okay. According to a survey by the New York Times, only 36% of American adults know where North Korea is. Participants pointed to Australia, Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, India and Thailand when questioned. Sir James Mumby, the UK's most senior family judge, has urged social workers to act with common decency so elderly couples can be kept together in residential care, stating that he believes sudden separation after a long period of time together meant that people really could die of a broken heart. Australian millionaire and real estate mogul Tim Gurner has said on an Australian current affairs programme that millennials are struggling to purchase their first home because of their frequent habit of buying avocado toast. In other avocado news, according to the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London, that they treat around four patients a week with avocado hand injuries. Avocado hand happens when you when you go to move a stone but the avocado is softer than expected so it slice through your hand on a recent episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians resident Dick Scott Disick in trouble for quote unquote being unable to not get his dick wet whilst on a family holiday has water chucked on him by not one but not two but three Kardashians in a bid to improve working conditions in the city sex industry a brothel run by prostitutes will be opened by the mayor of Amsterdam who went to great lengths to make it all happen because of his involvement the Dutch have dubbed the project the municipal brothel Moore's murderer Ian Brady has died aged 17 the Swansea Oxfam has urged people to stop donating the book The Da Vinci Code, having received on average a copy every week for months, leaving them with little room for any other books. Taylor Swift isn't praying for the inmate sexual assault case she has brought against DJ David Muller, who she claims groped her in a meet and greet in Colorado in 2010. The Labour Party has unveiled its new manifesto, described by Jeremy Corbyn as a programme of hope. The proposal includes scrapping university tuition fees and an increase to 45p on income tax for people earning over £80,000. Oh, my God, that made me really sweaty. I felt like I was right there with you. Um, so much interesting stuff in there. Can I just say that that breaks my heart, the thing about Sir James Munby. I know. Pleading for... I have to always find that absolutely extraordinary that people think when humanity is at its oldest and weakest, it would be a good idea to sever people who have been together for, like, And he was using... Years. He said there are examples of people who have been together for 50, 60 years. Obsessed with avocado toast hand. Um, <laughs> absolutely obsessed with the bonkers real estate mogul who thinks that people can't buy homes because they're buying there too much avocado toast. There have been so many angry millennial think pieces in response to that. Angry millennial think pieces is a terrible sentence. I know. I just assume that the Swansea Oxfam was like, can you stop sending us Da Vinci Code books because they had a real issue with the shitty Illuminati storyline. <laughs> There's an amazing picture of them pleading people not to bring any more in that I will have to post on the What, of, all, of all the books? Of, and it's like hundreds of the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I, had, I once went into the Oxfam in Camden and it was wall to wall with Beverly Knight memorabilia. And memorabilia. I, I just decided that to buy it all. No, <laughs> I just decided that an ex of Beverly Knight must live in the local area, and she had left, and he must be like, "Fuck you, Beverly! I'm going to throw all your stuff into an Oxfam." It was like all signed records, books, everything. That's hilarious. Can I also just say that I'm really into the phrase "getting your dick wet." It's horrible. It's awful. It's like dipping your paintbrush or putting your pen in the pen pot. It's a really disgusting but pleasingly evocative. Oh, I think it's very mechanical. (laughs) 
On to our most pressing subject of the week, which, thank God, Pandora has allowed me to project manage. And I, I appreciate that. I really do. It's like in The Apprentice, you allowed me to put my neck on the line. It's National Sandwich Week. So uh, there hasn't been uh, loads in the press on this, surprisingly. So I'm going to read straight from British Sandwich Week 2017's website, which is probably what they always wanted. So the amazing annual event is back and will be bigger and better than ever. Celebrate the ultimate food to go the food ult- to go. The ultimate food to go from Sunday the 14th to Saturday the 20th of May. British Sandwich Week is a week-long celebration of the greatest food to go and quite possibly the most iconic British culinary invention, the sandwich. God, I sort of forget that it's a British culinary invention. I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's the greatest food we've ever... You can't ever... say something like that, Pandora, okay. and then not give me... Well, to bring it then. What to do be, you think it is? Uh, to be fair, you didn't even know, because you've been underground doing your book aside from secretly popping up on the Hilo's account and using it as if it's your own. Um, you wouldn't have known about the National Sandwich Week, I don't think, unless I went, Happy National Sandwich Week on, on the Maybe Twitter. And then not. And then gave you a little call and said, do you want to handle this one? Do you want to go big? So we conducted... And my response was, God, I love you. <laughs> we conducted a sandwich poll yesterday on the high twitter account my god i mean i knew it was my first big, but i didn't know you'd go five strand to the poll it big. was my first ever twitter poll had you done one before they're quite cool aren't they? god they're fun yeah so i gave five sets of polls <laughs> asking people what their favorite sandwiches were did you want people to answer all five because i got a bit confused and i just answered one but i told you let the sandwich choose you because if there were more than one poll that really spoke to you, then you should have voted in both, Pandora. And if I didn't make that clear, then I regret it deeply. So the, the categories were kind of hilarious. She started quite gentle, although there, it would be like ham and mustard, mate, or uh, crisps and only crisps, um, fish fingers, human fingers. 1% voted that. Sadness. Sadness in a sandwich. Sadness. Well, so many people voted for a sadness sandwich, like 26%. <laughs> that's not I, sand, by the way, that's sadness. I think my most surprising was how many people liked roasted veg and pesto. I thought as a veggie, you'd be quite all over that. I know, but it's quite a niche sandwich. We live in the age of the artisanal widge. Do <laughs> 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 you do? <laughs> the artisanal widge. I think the most popular was the roast chicken salad people love that I'm not I don't dig that I would never okay well let's get on to the most pressing subject which is your favourite sandwich Pandora what happens when I let you project manage so I think we have to divide into three categories indie sandwich which is something that you would pick <clears> up in say a borough market a high, borough market high street sandwich your M&S's your Pretz your Tesco's and sandwich to be made at home Okay, let me think about this. Listeners, can you tell how obsessed she is? I I love, I love bread, so I'm very into the sandwich. Um, Okay, so my favourite indie sandwich. It's not so indie in America for any of our New York listeners. Um, You'll be like, that's a really basic one. But I'd say it's still pretty indie here. It would be pastrami, emmental, sauerkraut on rye. Mm. Does that still count as an indie sandwich? It's the punk rock sandwiches. Okay, it's cusping. Um, my favourite high street sandwich, and I'm guessing by that you mean basic bitch sandwich, I would go with either chicken and sweet corn. Where from? 
You have to specify M&S. that out. M&S, M&S the best. Oh, prawn or prawn mayonnaise. I love a prawn yeah, mayo. A prawn mayonnaise from um, M&S. The prawn, the prawn mayo fared very well in our poll. Uh, did it? Mm. I didn't vote for that, actually. Do you know which one I voted for? I think. No. I, oh, I voted for pastrami, obviously. Yeah. Pastrami, all right. And then my favourite home sandwich. And I don't make many at home, but I do make an open sandwich, a.k.a. toast, with things on top. I love doing is, that. So I recently got into cheese and pickle, cheddar with Branston's pickle. Um, Very too nice. much cheese makes me feel not good, mm. so I can't have that too much. Have you tried a pickle lily? Yeah, I love a pickle lily. Mm, me too. I'm going to call my child pickle lily. And then, don't worry, Ollie, I won't. I know it's like a two-handed decision and I'm not even <laughs> pregnant, so what's the point in talking about it? Um, but I also like smoked salmon and avocado on toast. I eat that mm. either for lunch or breakfast. Don't allow myself to do it for breakfast and lunch, but if I could, I would. Mm. Um, do that most days. I probably nice. spend as much on smoked salmon as you do on taxis, Dolly. Yeah. You looked a bit angry and then you were like, it's the truth, I can't deny I it. I think that's probably true. So... Um, what about you? What would yours be? My favourite indie sandwich um, was a very specific sandwich from a cafe called All Press in Shoreditch on Red Shirt Street. What year? 2012. Oh, okay. Old, oldie. And it was... I, be, I grew very dependent on this sandwich and it was Swiss chard with Gouda toasted. It was delicious. Yeah, it's nice. kind of like the bitterness of the Swiss chard. It was just delicious. And then one day they just... It wasn't on the menu. So I was really upset. So I went and told my boss about it because he was like, you seem distracted. And I was like, yeah, well, my favourite sandwich is gone. When when someone does that, like when What's It withdrew What's It Wafflers. Well, What's It Wafflers? Or M&S just really, really like downed the distribution of Percy's noses. It's like a big big deal. Anyway, carry on. Um, And my boss said, oh, I happen to know the manager of All Press. So they put it back on the menu for me. So this is basically just a tale of your influence. Okay, so that's your Instead indie sandwich. Of my greed. What's your high street sandwich? Um, probably pretz, posh, pickle and cheddar. They also did one Is called... that a baguette? Because they do... It is a baguette, yeah. yeah. I do, when I'm feeling low, the, the chicken, bacon, mayo-y... It's a bit too much. Which is, I call sort of it has to be, calories. Yeah, it has to be a treat. Yeah. Or the tuna and sweet corn you, you one. See my, Sorry, the tuna and cucumber. You see cucumber. my stomach before you see me when I do that, because obviously I am a babe who bloats. But it's delicious, it those is, It's a real BWB They also food. did one called the Edam salad, which was very simple, but they discontinued it. Also, while we're on the subject of prep, I feel very let down and hurt. Yes, how did you get on with that? Because so you went to them for a quote, didn't you? Yes, and Dolly's we, so obsessed with prep, by the way, that she follows them on Twitter. No, historically, we have a, a DM relationship. Do they follow you? Prep. Yes, they do, Pandora. They probably follow. Is it like when you know when, you, when you're like, oh my god, I'm so touched that someone's following me, and then you look and they they're followed by like ninety thousand. Yeah, they do people follow. They follow seventy eight thousand. They do follow a lot of people, but they have rewarded me for my lo- loyalty in the past. But not today. Let's just keep it at that. And today I, I got in touch and I said I'm talking about sandwiches on my podcast today. It would mean a lot to me if I could speak to a spokesperson to talk to me. Just I said one sentence I need about the power of the sandwich. Who did you address your? message to I DM them and they said get in Do touch you say with this like, person dear dear Pret I say oh you didn't say dear sir or madam whoever no. made them no and dear then Pret. they said that too many of their food experts were in meetings today and I replied and I said this is very disappointing we need more of a lead next time because I think I might have an in with them actually do you well yeah we'll talk about it later I might have an in um, and then my homemade sandwich I'm like you I like doing an open faced and I like doing toasted sourdough with a thin layer of good mayonnaise and then sliced fresh heritage tomatoes with sea salt and chilli flakes. 
that's quite simple. I do think that someone's favourite sandwich is a very good insight into their soul. And in fact, Sophie Wilkinson, for many years when she interviewed celebrities, used it as an icebreaker question. God, now in 2017, if you ask that, they'd just be like, what is that? Do you Tiny think that, Tempers do you was think, Coronation Chicken. Yeah, it's also nice that, but I just prefer Coronation Chicken with, like, as Coronation Honestly, Chicken. Yeah. But do you think that um, sandwiches have been infect, infected? Uh, yeah, have been infected by the great anti-gluten race. Yes, but here's what I would of, say. Of, of the aughts. I would say that, obviously I know there are celiacs and there are people who have... Who have a, but, but I think celiac disease affects like 1% of the population, but something like 20% of the population... But yeah, I think a lot gluten. of people who have problems with gluten, and I say this as a greedy woman myself, are people who just eat too much of it. I think if you were to have one sandwich a day, most people would be fine. If you were to have three prep posh pickle baguettes... Then of course I you do feel get awful. I do get as regular listeners will know very bloated from eating a sandwich, but it's rarely from the bread. It's more you know it might be from the cheese mm. or from if there's onion in it or garlic in it or too much seasoning spices. It's really fun being me. Can you tell? Anyway, happy National Sandwich <laughs> Week. <laughs> There's been a rise in the divorce selfie hashtag. So this is where couples share a picture of themselves, hashtag divorce selfie, with their decree Nissi in hand. Um, I scrolled through a selection, I have to say I found it really weird. Most couples were beaming and doing like mutual thumbs up. In one, both the now ex-husband and wife were doing like a across their neck. And in another one, the husband looked thrilled and the lawyer or whoever, whoever had granted the divorce looked like quite confused and the wife just looked really sad and miserable, which made me feel really sad. So it's interesting this because actual divorces, I think it's said to be on the decline, but the divorce selfie hashtag is on the rise. Dolly, what do you make of this? Joyous or unnerving? There's like a, a flicker, tiny flicker from me of respect for a couple going through the devastation of a breakup and being able to be amicable there's a small part of me that's like oh well done you because I always find breakups so gut-wrenching and they kind of turn my world upside down and it's like devastation in my life and I never end up staying good friends with an ex that's one of my favorite bits of Dawn French's Desert Island Discs she said that when her and Lenny Henry were talking about separating they were married for many years they went away together and they had like a kind of two-week exit holiday from their marriage. That's really, that's really common. And she said they went for like lots of long walks and they kind of talked everything through and they talked about what they were doing for their kid and I just think that sounded really lovely. I think if kids are involved, then I understand why you would do something. Why a divorce selfie. Yeah, well, as in why you try and keep it amicable. But mainly I just feel complete revulsion of... of I feel complete revulsion at the exhibitionism of something that's meant to be so private and sacred. And I feel the same about birth, Snapchats, you know, and celebrities like when Robbie Williams was doing all his, when his wife was in labour, or proposal videos. I've just become much more private about that stuff. I've got older. I just think like that is so inappropriate. I think photos of lovely moments in your relationship I completely understand that you know nice pictures of holidays whatever but otherwise I just find it it just makes me feel queasy there are like myriad turns and usages for social media I feel really perturbed by this partly because as is common knowledge um, 
not only do I bloat regularly, but I'm a real romantic. <laughs> and I understand and acknowledge that everyone, of course, has the right to begin and terminate their relationships how they so choose. And I don't mean to get really pearl clutchy, as Dolly would say, but I think pictures like this really trivialise what is a mm, momentous deal. I agree. Not only because you've undergone a ceremony, which no doubt cost a shit ton of money, made your friends buy you presents, and I just, it feels to me a bit weird to do this very pithy, lol post about it. And one of the comments under the online articles was this person saying, you know, I was watching this thing the other day, they were having a discussion about how actually you can feel really fine about this and feel like you can be really lighthearted about it, but actually a few years later, you get like delayed grief. So actually what this selfie might be is not people being a bit dismissive of what they've been through, but actually it just hasn't, it just hasn't sunk in yet. I think there are two strands to it. The first is indeed that, and I think... There's a reason why I think if you're going through something really terrible or really ebullient that you shouldn't, as a journalist, write about it while you're in the thick of it. Or as a writer, I think you should never break news because you don't really feel how something has affected you until you're at the other side. You know, you don't know what the story is until the story's ended. I have voiced over and over again how annoying I find this, but I find couples who use their relationship to engender a sense of celebrity on them I find really difficult to swallow and I went and this is one of the reasons I hate Facebook I went into Facebook and there was a Facebook status from this guy who had broken up with his boyfriend and they'd been together for like a couple of years and he like issued a press release on their breakup in this status it was like friends As some of you may or may not know, James and I have been having some problems over the last year. We have decided to part ways. Um, We've had some wonderful times together. We would really appreciate our privacy at this time. Please feel free to invite us both to things. I was so angry reading it, and I think I feel the same about the divorce selfie. I just think I find it... I used to be a terror for it when I was younger with boyfriends. I would always be posting very personal things about us, very personal pictures, whatever. I would never do it now. I find it incredibly inappropriate. I do post pictures of my husband and I. I have no problem doing that. I don't um, necessarily give lots of details away about my family or my relationship, but pictures in the same way that I actually don't share a lot about... um, bad times for want of a better word I mean some people who listen to this may follow me on Instagram and may have seen recently that I wrote a little thing about what my sister's going through with breast cancer but that's more admiration Mm. for her as a human I don't share the highs and the lows particularly anything concerning my relationship Uh, sorry I don't share the lows I would share the highs as I said I would share a picture of Ollie and I and I I do mainly because I actually personally don't like the very over curated Instagram which insinuates that it's just you and a straw handbag and a holiday and a margarita I like to show my cat and my friends and 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 my husband but not so much have the personal narrative to attach to it but I think it's great if you're staying friends and I actually it's not even to to put up a picture of you and your ex-husband and say listen guys this is where we're at if that's how you want to use social media that's fine what I think's a bit weird is the hashtag the holding up the decree Nassi next to you with the lawyer often present, Mm. um, that I find a little bit jarring or unnerving because it definitely seems quite impulsive. I have to say, Dolly and I both went, (gasps) 
Let me discover this. So Netflix has been testing price increases in Australia. Call this a screen-based Uber surge, if you will, over weekends. So as part of a trial, prices in Australia over the weekend rose from $8.99 per month for the basic plan to $9.99, $11.99 for the standard plan to $13.99, and $14.99 to $17.99 for the premium plan. Side note, $17.99 is basically a Soho House membership. <laughs> um, but membership prices return to normal on Monday. Um, and Netflix hasn't confirmed whether or not customers in other markets watch out Britain, will be included in the test and it hasn't actually revealed any of its findings although DigiSpy panicked, got in touch with them and they said this sort of kind of quite oblique statement saying we continually test new things on Netflix not everyone sees this test and we may not offer it generally, so there hasn't been much commentary on this yet, it has only happened in Australia but that that there has, has been has contained a real undertone of fear so unmashable the writer referred to it as an evil new plan so um, watching Netflix when you're tired or hungover has become a, a mandatory middle class right how do, how do we feel about that right you know costing us a lot more I think it's it's about what that money, what that increase is for. So I remember when A.A. Gill came to speak to, when I was doing my master's, he came to speak to the journalism students and someone asked him a question about the paywall. We were like, what do you think about it? And he said, when my editor said, people are going to have to pay for content, Adrian's response was, well, great, how much is my pay packet going up? Because that's the question here, really, I think, is that who is benefiting? Are the creators benefiting from that money? Is it is it going to the people who make those shows and those and those movies and the studios, or is it the distributor? Well, I would imagine with Netflix, it's because they are producing more and more original content and stuff like Stranger Things and the it's, OA. The budgets on those, yeah, and they so and Netflix and Amazon sense. Prime are making the best content, I think, at the moment, mm. but than then, any of the other channels. But then, so, arguably, YouTube don't charge anything and they are developing original content they are not behind the paywall yeah but netflix don't have ads do they no oh would you rather okay here's here's a question would you rather have youtube with ads free content good content don't know why i'm speaking bullet points <laughs> or netflix you know relatively expensive tenner a month no ads it's tough this is something that's that's pandora and i is very close to both of us at the moment particularly with you know making this podcast pandora did a caption uh, with her Instagram post the other day letting people know that this has not been a hugely profitable project for us thus far you know it's been a year on and we haven't thus far guys we're still planning to make we haven't made any money really from this at all and it was amazing the responses actually Mm. because people were very shocked I think and it's a reality for a lot of podcasts you know what Ollie Ollie was a bit nervous when we were putting that up he was like oh do you really want to talk about money I think it's important yeah my whole my whole theory especially with women talking about money is that we need to stop it being some guilty dirty secret because for sure otherwise you don't necessarily get paid for the work you do and definitely as freelancers that's something we've really struggled with and I was interested to read a lot of the comments underneath that picture was my god I had no idea you weren't getting paid you you know you should definitely get paid Um, and we were instantly we worked with an amazing platform called Acast whose studio we are recording in today and we have um, some brilliant new sponsors coming up which we're really excited about but in order to pay it's only started to become a viable model in order to pay the world's most long suffering producer Charlie (laughs) 
you know, we have to make some money and then and then the production costs of this. And so we hadn't yet. But it was interesting that people were really surprised. And I feel really strongly about us not being behind a paywall, i.e. we don't want you guys to have to pay to listen to it. And I think as well, I think we're all learning. And, you know, I'm guilty for it as well. I'm the first person who says to people, when people say, can I have your Times login? I want to say, well, no, if you want to consume the work that me and many other journalists work very hard for, just, you know, pay five quid a month or whatever. But I am also the person who will go looking for illegal torrents well, to just... go watch American shows. But now, so my Now TV pass that they generously gave me a couple of months for free is stopping. And I'm paying every month because, looping back to the Netflix thing, we do have to pay. We have to yeah, let's to answer, pay. Let's answer the question. Would you rather have YouTube-free ads, not as... Well, I was going to say not as a content creator yourself, but actually you are a content creator, so why not have that bias? Or would you rather have Netflix and pay for it and no ads? I think I'd pay for it. When I think about something like Amazon Prime, like Transparent, my favourite programme ever, I would pay £10 a month to watch that and not have any ads. I See, would. it makes me sad. It makes me a bit sad, though, because in line with potentially and most likely having to cancel my Soho House membership, when I was going through my direct debits, I also cancelled my Financial Times subscription and my New York Times subscription. Luckily, you can read up to 10 New York Times pieces a month for free. So I'm actually more just picky now about yeah. the ones I want to read. Yeah. But the thing is, is I do pay for a lot of subscriptions elsewhere. And so you pay for a lot of magazines. I don't know, part of me wants to say that when YouTube start creating feature-length content, which apparently they are absolutely on, then would I you probably love. Ads? Would you prefer ads or would you prefer to pay a... Well, we have ads on our podcast, and our podcast is free to listen to. Mm. If I was a listener, so perhaps putting aside the fact that we are content creators, um, I would say, yeah, I'd always rather get something for free and listen to ads. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On to Ask the Hilo, thank you again for all your lovely emails to us. Yes, do remember you can email us show at gmail.com. Unfortunately, we will not be able to reply to all your emails, but we always love hearing from you. And we always read all of them. Hi, guys. My boyfriend recently opened up his phone and a porn hub came up on the internet. I was initially shocked. He assured me he didn't watch porn a lot and that this website was from ages ago. However, I find it really hard to let go. Part of me knows people will say it's very normal and all men watch porn and it doesn't mean anything, even though this has never been my experience coming from a very religious background. But my boyfriend knows I'm a feminist. We've had long discussions about the objectification of women, etc. I really love him. I think he's an amazing man. Is porn something the modern woman just has to accept? It's inevitable. Would love to hear your views. The first thing that I would say is I think there are two issues here. I don't think it's a problem that he's watching pornography. I don't think it's something that women have to put up with. I think it's a very... I don't think it's a gendered issue. I think it's a very common human desire to be voyeuristic in that way. Um, A lot of my female friends watch porn um i think the problem would be if it was an uncontained habit or that if it was incessant that has been a problem for an ex-boyfriend of mine i think you were completely within your rights to say that if the porn shows a perversion 
that makes you feel particularly uncomfortable. Again, another ex-boyfriend of mine. I think you're totally fine to say that. I like the way you're calling it porn as well. (laughs) If the porn itself. um, If it's affecting the way that he has sex with you or your sex life together or your intimacy. And again, that happened with an ex-boyfriend of mine. I think you're well within your right to have a problem with it. Drawing from the canon here. Um, Yeah, the great and the good I've gone out with. Um, But I don't think watching porn is a problem in itself. I don't think it means, you know, sexual desire is a very irrational and unreasoned base thing. And I don't, it doesn't mean it affects the way he feels about you. It's not that he's saying, I don't want to look at you naked. I want to look at a different woman naked. Um, So you mustn't take it as a personal insult. So I don't think that it's an issue that he's watching porn. I, I wouldn't be worried about that what I do understand is the issue of of objectification with women you know most porn is very uncomfortable to watch for a lot of women um it's shown through a very aggressive male gaze male gaze um the women you know there's very little body diversity um the women often look you know they they come like a steam train but any (laughs) any woman who's had sex knows what they're watching looks uncomfortable or like that definitely wouldn't have that effect on someone so instead I would suggest if it's something you think you could feel more comfortable with I would suggest looking into the work of a woman called Cindy Gallup who I've long admired who has a project called Make Love Not Porn and you can go to makelovenotporn.com and it's a shared website where it's real couples filming themselves having sex and you pay to rent those videos and then a portion of that money goes to the couples and it's real it's authentic it's tender it's loving it's fun and um it's completely consensual so i would say maybe that would make you feel more comfortable with him watching it dolly the sexologist you sound like um, <laughs> is she called irma khan she's in like her 70s she's like a sex like a sex therapist i really like the way you refer to it as the porn um i think i mean she mentioned her religious background and how the men in her life don't she's pretty sure the men in her life would not access a resource like that so i don't know if it's unlikely that sounds like a great resource the cindy gallup one but i don't know if it's unlikely that it's just not something that you want to engage in at all which is completely Mm, fair enough but just to add i mean you said so many interesting things so i've got a huge amount to add on that thing but i would just say that the other element that you have every right to be slightly pissed off about is that when you're in a um close partnership the idea that someone could be partaking in an activity and not letting you know about it can feel like a deception of sorts. Like if, taking it away from the porn, I found out that Ollie had been secretly going to the National Gallery every week and had never told me that he'd been <laughs> that he'd been going. And I would say, well, why are you not telling me you're going? You're obviously ashamed of this and this isn't something you want to share with me. So I'm just going to say that it's not just about the porn it's um, about communication and, you know, just being open about your solo activities. On to our next question. Hi, Dolly Pandora. You both seem very confident in what you do and rightly so, but I wondered if you ever suffer or have suffered with imposter syndrome. I left my very working class small town background to chase a career in London and landed myself a job at one of the top global agencies in my sector. Six years on and while on track for where I wanted to be, I still sometimes fear that I'm going to be caught out as if I'm a fraud. Deep down, I know I'm capable and well-valued, but this is overshadowed with some serious self-doubt. I guess I wondered if A, you ever experienced this and B, any tips to overcome these feelings? 
feelings. Love a loyal listener. I mean, therein lies the plight of 95% of women. I'm not going to say 100% of women because that's really um, engendered for me to suggest that every woman must feel like this by dint of being a woman. But it is definitely something that is more prevalent in women. I'm always interested that um, my husband never experiences this. I mean, only once in his life has he ever experienced work anxiety. And that's simply because he was not having a great time at work so yes I experience it all the time it's really frustrating and tips to overcome it well to be really blunt and I try and tell myself that is it's not going to make you any better at your job um it's Mm. definitely not going to change what people think of you admitting weakness is no crime but as someone very wise recently said to me think carefully about who you show the fear to um it's not relevant or perhaps even that's a very um, good piece of advice it's not relevant or perhaps even advised to show it to people you work with um but absolutely vent about that to your friends and your family and in terms of overcoming it it's literally just trying to like keep a check on it you know all of those things that are good for keeping your mental health in check sleep not drinking too much, you know, not getting into work late, Mm. just feeling prepared, having a Sunday night to think about the week ahead. You know, even now I'm freelance, that doesn't get any better. In fact, sometimes it can get worse because you're not in a system and a structure and you don't have the support of colleagues to kind of endorse what you're doing and um, or even a boss to go, right, you do that today and you go away and do that job. You know, it's sort of ongoing and you can always be working and when do you stop and when do you do it? And that lack of structure can be quite difficult for imposter syndrome, but but it's honestly just keeping a check on it and just working hard and just having the faith in what you're doing and if you genuinely think you're shit at your job then thinking about a new direction but it doesn't sound like you do think you're shit at your job so slap a face on it at work and then go show fear to the people who you love and who you trust that's very good advice I would say the reason why I wanted to read this one out as well is because it's really worrying to me how many emails we get from young women about imposter syndrome. I would say about half of the emails that we get in the High Lows account. And I know it all too well. I don't think I have ever truly enjoyed any achievement of my life because the entire time I feel like... I'm about to be told that they gave it to the wrong person. And it has really soured <laughs> a lot of... Um, a lot of the exciting things that I've worked very hard for. Um, the th- I agree with all Pandora's advice. Um, looking after yourself, working really hard helps legitimise your kind of sense of agency. The other thing that I would say, and I know this is my fucking advice for everything, but one of the best things, I always thought that I would get to a point where I would have convinced myself that I deserve any accolade that I got. I, I honestly don't think I'll ever get there. I think I have to manage it forever. And what's made me think I'll never get there is listening to the entire backlog of Desert Island Discs because every single person on that show is successful um, and nearly every single one of them says they still can't believe that they've got what they've got. Dustin Hoffman is a very good example of that. He says that every time he wraps a film, he's just waiting. He says he's convinced he'll never, ever do another film again. Um, So I would go back and listen to Desert Island Discs, my love. I know that's like my advice (laughs) for everything, but I think it's reassuring to remember that um, some of the... You know, if Dustin Hoffman is feeling that about himself, then, you know, there's hope for all of us. Like, we're all screwed, you know, if he thinks that. So that would be my advice. Thank you very much for listening to episode 11 of The High Low. Thank you to Acast for letting us use your studio. You can follow The High Low on Twitter at The High Low Show and you can email us any questions, The High Low Show at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.